Seven minutes after 10 o'clock, sometimes you read the news and you think, what on earth were they thinking? Uh, Brian, have you been following this lethal new COVID strain that kills 80% of mice? I certainly have. Boston University scientists reportedly created a lethal new COVID strain by combining Omicron and the original Wuhan strain in a laboratory. Are, Are you, you saying that that's not a smart thing to do, or what? Uh, doesn't strike me as a genius no. idea. Well, I mean, what if it? Uh, we don't do this, and uh, that we need to do this to protect ourselves. You know, figure out ways to fight it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, they I, they do some things that you wonder. Why are you messing? We, didn't you learn your lesson during the last two years? No. <laughs> they, they, they took, they took the, the most you know, easily transmissible uh, attributes and the most deadly attributes, and they combined them for what? What did we learn from this? What did we gain from this? What possible advantage is there in this? It, if somebody got infected with this, and I know we probably have very stringent rules and regulations and all kinds of protocols to protect, but what if, what if just a little teeny bit of this somehow got out? What if somebody got infected? What are these microbiologists thinking anyway? I mean, Wow. Do you think one of them, you know, over <laughs> cocktails or whatever, had a, their fellow biologist sitting there and go, hey, how about this? We get together uh, starting next week, and we find the two most virulent uh, viruses that we can find and see if they interact together well to, you know, just see what happens. Let's see if we can make something <laughs> I mean, so what are you flipping thinking? deadly that it wipes out 80% of the population. And all it takes is one little leak. All it takes is one person working there to get infected and not know it. And walk out and, you know, start mixing and mingling in society. And in a matter of days, people are dying. And I, you know, my libertarian view is that we, we should just, you know, stay away from this. We shouldn't be regulating it, because if we do, we'll somehow screw the pooch. But I don't know how you stop this nonsense. Because if they're doing it here, you can bet your bottom dollar they're doing it in China. And if they can get their uh, 8088 uh, microprocessors to work in uh, North Korea, they're doing it there, too. I'd... I don't see the advantage of doing this. You know, maybe it's... Let's see if we can come up with a reason why this would make sense to do. Because on the face of it, it's insanity. It literally is risking the lives of, you know, in this case, perhaps tens of billions of people. So, let's assume that Communist China and North Korea are working on these same things. Would it make sense for us to be doing it to look for a cure in the event that 
one of the bad actors in the world actually lets loose with a virus like this? With that, you know, you you have this uh, lethal pathogen that you've created that you know bad guys could create anywhere. And after you've created it, you look for ways to cure it, to get rid of it. And you do this because you know the others, the bad guys out there will be trying to do the same thing. Does that make sense, Brian? Is that, is that? Yes, it does. And, but I don't understand why, you know, anyone would do this. I mean, for what purpose? They want to use right. it as a biological weapon yeah. that will come back to the, and it, only kill them? Well, what I if mean, they... All right, what if they, what if they do it like this? Suppose it's communist China or it's North Korea. Oh, I, and I, they, I see what you're saying. That they have already developed an antidote for it right. to, to protect them, I see. Right, so they, they pass this antidote around uh, to make sure their people are safe, and then they spread the pathogen. So it would make sense, under those circumstances, that we would be trying to create the same deadly pathogen so that we could come up with a cure. How's that? I, I, think, that I, sold, good, yeah. I think I sold myself. Because I was pretty angry when I saw this. In the new research, which has not been peer-reviewed, a team of researchers from Boston and Florida extracted Omicron spike protein... The unique structure that binds uh, to and invades human cells. It's always been present in the virus, but has become more evolved over time. Omicron has dozens of mutations on its spike protein that make it so infectious. Researchers attached Omicron's spike to the original wild-type strain that first, imag- uh, that first emerged in Wuhan at the start of the pandemic. The researchers looked at how mice fared against the new hybrid strain compared to the original Omicron variant. When a similar group of rodents were exposed to the standard Omicron strain, however, they all survived and only experienced mild symptoms. Writing in the paper, they said, in mice, while Omicron causes mild non-fatal infection, The Omicron S carrying the virus inflicts severe disease with mortality rate of 80%. (sighs) So uh, even deeper than that, would uh, the United States or any other country be justified in going after this lab to protect themselves? Uh, What do you mean going after the lab? I mean, like taking the lab out. Uh, you mean like bomb it? Or yeah, completely obliterate it. I don't think the guy. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the government's happy that somebody's making the uh, the attempt to create and then cure it. And I and I frankly, I always feel pretty comfortable when I know the government's behind something like this. Yeah, just you know, it gives me an all over warm and fuzzy uh-huh. feeling. Sure. Yeah. Roy is on the line with us now. Roy, welcome. How are you? 
I'm doing fine. I'll, I'll play. Um, you asked why someone would do it, and then you said billions and billions of people. There's plenty of idiots who think that billions and billions of people is the problem, and we need to do something about it. Yeah. So wouldn't you want somebody at the University of Boston to do what the bad guys in, say, North Korea or China might be doing to develop a cure so that if the bad guys do create this uh, pathogen, we have a way out of it? This is a long explanation. No. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you know, if you're going to parse your words, <laughs> I'll have to work my way through them. All yeah, right, Roy. We endeavor to persevere. Take Thank you. All right, bye. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 874-9390. 800-529-5572. What should we do about this? Just let it go? Is it okay? Does it make some sense on some level? Should we write a law saying you can't do it? I don't know. You tell me what you think. It's the Gary Nolan Show. Jennifer Bukowski going to be with us in about 15 minutes. Banning books in Missouri. On the Zimmer Radio Network. 20 minutes after 10. Jennifer Bukowski, 10 minutes from now. Banning books in Missouri. Why? What? Really? Uh, but maybe it makes sense. We'll find out. Uh, in the meantime, over at Boston University, they have uh, been developing uh, a pathogen that uh, could prove deadly to billions of people. And if it leaks, if they make a mistake, and, and by the way, these level three, level four uh, labs are being created all over Asia. Everybody is worried that they're going to get caught flat-footed uh, with another COVID-19. So this explanation of mine is the... Uh, you know, it's it's the reason they're doing this. They're trying to come up with the same deadly types of pathogens that they suspect uh, despots around the world might try to engineer and come up with a cure before it can spread. Many countries believe they were caught flat-footed by COVID and wanted to get ahead of the next devastating outbreak by studying pathogens that pose a threat to humans. Experiments at these labs often involve tinkering with animal viruses to advance treatment and vaccines that could be used in a future outbreak. But there are widespread concerns that these experiments might actually raise the risk of pandemics, something some experts believe was the case with COVID, the China flu. I do think that, by the way, I do think that they they created COVID in a lab. I know there are people out there who don't believe that. I know some of you don't, but I think this was created in a lab. I think it escaped, that they didn't have a cure for it. They didn't mean for it to escape, but it did. And I think they continued to tinker. Uh, although it does frost my buns that I helped pay for it. Wasn't my plan to, you understand. But I was compelled by the government to give a certain percent of my income to them, which they in turn, uh, in turn uh, used to fund the Wuhan lab. The variant, uh, the XBB subvariant, reportedly just debuted in Hong Kong. Um, and it is spreading... Quickly, it's in Singapore. 
uh, reportedly caused new China flu cases in the island uh, to more than double in one day from 4,700 to 11,700. What they're not telling you is, you know, just who, who did anybody die from this? These uh, mutations get weaker and weaker as time goes on. Uh, and I don't need to know about every new variant. Uh, it, the, by the way, I don't know if anybody caught this or not, but there was uh, some information released, a study done on people who got three shots. By the way, I got three shots. I stopped at three. Some of you had enough sense to stop at two. Some of you had enough sense to not get them at all. I still thought, it, it uh, based on the information that I was seeing, that somebody in my age bracket or somebody that's uh, in Brian's age bracket should... <laughs> get uh, get vaccinated. Uh, nobody younger than that, though. It doesn't. It 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 just isn't deadly for younger people. Not the way it is uh, for elderly folks. So, what apparently the the basis of this new study, it, it, what they've concluded is that if you've been vaxxed, then boosted, and then boosted again, it increases the likelihood that you will catch the latest variants. I thought that was odd. I, uh, I read the story, uh, uh, it, and it's not just some right-wing fanatic magazine. It is a, a, a middle-of-the-road medical journal. If you've been vaccinated three times, you have an increased likelihood of getting this latest variation of the China flu. So, um, be very, very careful if you've been vaccinated three times. And again, uh, who knows whether or not this latest variant is anything more than a flu. I mean, flu kills people, millions of people every year. This is probably, by this time, no more deadly than any other flu. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention... The symptoms of XBB appear to be similar to what they were for COVID-19, the China flu, in general. Fever and chills, cough, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, fatigue, muscle and body ache, headache. Um, There's a loss of taste and smell, sore throat, congestion, runny nose, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. According to the uh, preprint study from the research in China, the new strains of Omicron and XBB in particular, are the most antibody-evasive strain tested, far exceeding BA5 and approaching SARS-CoV-1 level. But you notice that in that entire story, we don't say, well, the mortality rate is uh, 0.001% or whatever. It's It's just scary news for the sake of being scary news. I... I... I wish that we had an honest media. Uh, let's see, Mike. Seems like uh, the fact checkers are claiming this is false, but don't give any detail. Uh, our university calls uh, Daily Mail report on COVID-19 research false and inaccurate. I don't have a chance to chase down that link, but thank you. I will uh, during the break. Uh, as in uh, the impetus to develop nuclear weapons, so there is a similar nihilism in uh, developing pathogens. 
We labor under the illusion that we can control what we create and are surprised when it gets away from us. Think of how much we've already under uh, control uh, our current digital AI systems and aspects of daily life. Okay, yeah, things do get out of hand. All right, 874-9390. Toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Coming up in a few minutes, Saudi Arabia is sentencing U.S. citizens to 16 years in prison for tweets. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll, you know, that'll just, uh, the Saudis and the America, that'll cement that relationship right away. Can't, can't possibly go wrong after doing that. No. And Chuck Schumer is in the news. Chuck Schumer is in the news. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer wants to uh, stop a plan by the Federal Aviation Administration that would let airliners take off with a plan to shrink passenger seats. Now, take it from a guy who's nearly six and a half feet tall and well over 200 pounds. If they shrink them too much more, I will have to carry a jar of Vaseline in a shoehorn to get in and out of those seats. The uh, New York Democrat revealed a little-known possibility of the FAA allowing for smaller airplane seats and warned the public only had till November 1st to weigh in on the issue. I don't see why the public should get to weigh in on this at all. At least not the way Schumer is suggesting. You weigh in on this by not buying seats on planes that are, you know, forcing you to to squeeze in. I actually, I feel sorry for people who, who sit in an airplane next to me. Because I dwarf most people. I don't realize it when I'm walking down the street or sitting in a restaurant. But I kind of see it when I'm sitting in an airplane. Uh, I, I, and, and there's nothing worse. And, uh, you know, I'm not insulting obese people. Um, but boy... If you've packed on the pounds and you squeeze into one of those seats and anybody is sitting next to you, it is challenging to get comfortable. You can't lean far enough away. So if the FAA, you know, grants the airlines permission and they shouldn't have the authority to do otherwise, they will reduce potentially the size of the seats on their aircraft. This ups the profit margin. They get more people in. I think they ought to be able to do it. And I think instead of voting uh, by going to the federal government's website, you vote by not buying their damn tickets. Somewhere out there, somebody is going to say, fly on our airline. We give your seat more room in our seat. That's how it should be handled. But, of course, Chuck Schumer thinks the government is supposed to fix all your ills. Jennifer Wachowski, she uh, filled in for me last week while I was on, uh, laughingly, we call it vacation. Uh, And uh, she is going to be with us in a few minutes. She's going to uh, talk about what's going on in Saudi Arabia. Jay Ashcroft, who I, by the way, like uh, both personally and uh, politically. I I think he's a pretty good guy. He apparently might want to potentially restrict some books in the libraries. That's coming up on the Gary Nolan Show. The Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 1035. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, coming up, uh, we got a couple t- uh, stories here that we're going to chat about with Jennifer Bukowski, including one about Saudi Arabia sentencing U.S. citizens uh, to uh, 16 years in prison for tweeting. I think that'll that'll cement that relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia. Uh, in the meantime, Jennifer Bukowski is on board with us. First, Jennifer, welcome. Then thank you for filling in for me. Appreciate it. Thanks for letting me do it. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, Jay Ashcroft, what is he up to uh, with library books? Well, uh, it is this new rule that was proposed yesterday. It's going to have a notice and comment period. And one of the things that the Secretary of State does is he oversees the state aid per capita for Missouri public libraries and the certification of public libraries. And this would be a new rule for libraries to maintain their certification to receive those funds. Like the total amount appropriated for this in 2020 for our state was $2 million. So it's not a huge amount of money. The St. Louis County Public Library System got 428000 that year, and the budget for that organization is $56 million. But it is money that libraries around the state can get, and so in order to stay certified, they have to comply with the rules. And under this new rule, no money can be used for purchasing materials that appeal to a, the purient interest of any minor, plus... Uh, it requires an age-appropriate age appropriate designation for books, materials, and events, and requires that age-inappropriate materials not be displayed in areas containing materials predominantly for minors. So it sounds like the naughty books are going to have, like, their own roped-off section of the library or be, be kind of shuffled <laughs> away or have their own, their own sticker. And it just makes me kind of chuckle because in the Harry Potter series, the Hogwarts library has this restricted section. And every single school year, Harry or his one of his friends, Hermione, it's a major plot point that they have to sneak into that restricted section to get some information out of it. And uh, so, I'm, I'm chuckling because when I was a kid, uh, the Cleveland Heights... University Heights Public Library on Lee Road, where I used to uh, go, had an adult reading room. And we, of course, were pretty young and, and didn't understand what was going on in there. But we thought that, that you could get Playboy in there, that they're, <laughs> they're keeping Playboy magazine in there. That's where the adult guys go. To this day, I, I never By the time I was old enough to go in there, I, we'd moved away. So I, to this day, don't know exactly what was in there. Maybe it was just to keep the kids, you know, at bay. Adults Maybe. Only. But forbidding it made it more interesting to you. Yes. I remember when I was in about ninth grade, my mom just came up to me with a bizarre look on her face and said, you cannot read this book pointing to a book that she had gotten from the library. And I wasn't in the habit of reading any of her stack of books from the public library. I read my own. But what's the first thing I did <laughs> after she <laughs> told me? Well, that, you could have, I went and snuck down and read that Clan of the Cave Bear book. And it was very age-inappropriate for me to do that. But if she hadn't pointed it out, she was well-meaning in pointing it out. But if she hadn't pointed it out, I wouldn't have been reading that. So I wonder if this will have a similar effect where, you know, you slap a red sticker on, like, Fifty Shades of Grey or 
complain to the cave bear or put them in their own special section, and that's just going to motivate kids to <laughs> seek those books out. But what was the name of that book that you, <laughs> you were not allowed? I'm going to go to the library and check it out. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious even now. <laughs> Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah, uh, it was age inappropriate for me for sure. But uh, yeah, but the idea of kids sneaking off to read books, even they're not supposed to, even if not age appropriate, doesn't really bother me quite so much anymore. But if you do, if you don't want a kid to do something, tell them you're not allowed to do this. Or if you want them interested in doing it. Yeah. Oh, you can't do this until you turn 18. I'm thinking we slap a label on a copy of the Constitution and leave it in yeah. the library. You're exactly. not allowed to read this until you're 18. Bastiat's the law. Yeah. Let's do that one. <laughs> Heinrich's I'm, works. I'm, I'm, start, <laughs> I'm starting to like this uh, labeling thing after all. Yeah, but the other interesting thing it does is it requires age designations for any event that they're promoting. And it allows people to challenge the age designations for any of the books or events. And this is going right after these drag queen story hours. So if libraries like the St. Louis County Public Libraries, I believe, have had some of these drag queen story hours. If they have that, they have to have an age designation of that event. And it has to comport to their policy. And some any person could object to their categorization of it. So I'm sure if they continue to have drive queen story hours people will be like this is not age appropriate well and and this gets controversial but i don't think there should be any public libraries i don't understand why they even exist what's why would we have government public libraries we want to have them i guess we've all agreed this is useful and we enjoy it so we've done it uh, it's no, very no, unique no, no, in America. No, no, wait, wait, like, wait. That's one of the uh, things that foreigners like can't believe when they come here. They're like, wait, I can get this card and take all these books out of here? It's kind of a uniquely American thing. No, it's not. You can get... Look, the idea that I should have to pay for a public library is frankly irritating to me. I don't care. Whatever, what do you want to read? Whatever it is, whether it's current events, diurnals of any type, Books, they're all available on the web. You can get news on the interwebs for free. You can get books for free, and you can certainly get a lot of them for really low prices. If you want to read, get on the interwebs. But don't make me pay for it. I don't need Well, to. you can read through the library's um, apps or whatever. You can check out books electronically now, too. Yeah, but I don't want to pay for that. I, I know don't, you don't, Gary. <laughs> uh, it doesn't We're make just sense. We're going to make you pay for that like we do the public schools, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's obscene. I, I, don't, I don't just simply think it's wrong. I think it's absolutely obscene. You're, you're well, if it's too obscene, that will be uh, labeled. <laughs> not allowed under these uh, <laughs> yeah. new policies. It'll be... But, but even the ones I mentioned that would be, like, age inappropriate, they aren't appealing to the purient interest of any minor. I can't think of anything that I've read. I mean, purient, that means ex that means encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. It does seem a bit subjective. Like, would the Twilight Saga qualify under that? I don't think it should, but maybe another person would. We'll have to see if, if this passes or this goes through how that plays out. 
But I do worry, like, the, you see the St. Louis Post-Dispatch headline says that Jay Ashcroft, potential Missouri governor candidate, floats library book ban proposal. I just wonder, is this setting the right tone? Because I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of Jay Ashcroft. I had him on your show twice last week. Uh, he's got a lot of great ideas. And it's just like, I know I'm going to be having to defend this to family members and be like, no, Republicans don't want to ban books. That's not what actually this does at all. It just, that's the way it's characterized in the Post-Dispatch. Well, that's what you would expect from left-wing media. Um, all right, let's let's do this. Uh, we're going to get interrupted here in a minute or so. So rather than uh, continue on, we'll, we'll stop and take this quick commercial break. By the way, does anybody uh, else find public funding of libraries offensive? Can you, can you make the case for why we need the library to be taxpayer funded? You give me a call and tell me, 874-9390-800-529-5572. In the meantime, the readout blog, that's R-E-I-D, by the way. That's up next with Jennifer Bukowski on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. 49 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us talking about public libraries. Uh, this all stems from uh, Jay Ashcroft looking at, well, keeping kids from getting their hands on books they shouldn't. In the meantime, I suggested that we ought not have public libraries at all. Uh, if you want a library, you know, fund it yourself. Uh, there are, you know, just about everything else you want available on the Internet. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski is with us. We're going to talk about uh, th this uh, readout uh, blog because apparently uh, DeSantis has irritated them. But we'll get to that in a minute. Let me first get Tony on the line and uh, find out what he says about public libraries. Tony, welcome. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Uh, it's an entitlement. You're not going to get rid of an entitlement. Well, I mean, how I... much did, didn't uh, didn't uh, the public library system start with Andrew Carnegie giving millions of dollars to start them, and then then the uh, the government took them over as they got bigger and expanded and now it's it's just in the government i mean name and name a program the government ever took over that ever ended <laughs> yeah but that doesn't make it right i'm not saying it makes it right i'm just saying it's an entitlement now that we have these libraries and yeah i don't know that there's really a need for them anymore but how are you going to get rid of them i mean well by educating voters by educating voters who start turning down levies for government-run projects like libraries. I'm I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that it's yeah. ingrained in our society. And, I mean, and, and I think I'm right that Carnegie started all that. And, and back 100 years ago to 120 years ago, it was probably, a ne it was probably necessary. Nah, it was never Nowadays, necessary. Nowadays, it's not. It was never necessary for the government to do it. The private marketplace has no, done it. But it, but Carnegie gave the money and started it, and uh, you know, then the government took it over, and then it just went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that's the way it always does, isn't it? Tony, thank exactly. you, buddy. Appreciate the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Jennifer Bukowski is uh, is with us. Uh, tell me about uh, what it is that Governor DeSantis said that so irritated Reed. 
Well, apparently he called Democrat-led cities third-world cities, Gary. <laughs> and this uh, readout blog, which is uh, with Joy Reid, she didn't write this, one of her people did, but uh, took offense, took umbrage to this comment because they said this third-world thing is making him, makes DeSantis, that reference makes DeSantis the archetype for right-wing authoritarian rule. Oh, so it, it's conservatives that are uh, authoritarian. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not progressives. That locked you in your homes and took away your ability to work yeah. and everything else during this pandemic. So uh, we point out that I think he aptly points out that a lot of these Democrat-run cities look like third-world cities with shanty towns with drug usage and crime rampant. They're not safe. They're full, they look, it's embarrassing what they look like. California is on top of it as like rolling blackouts all the time and fires. It is like a third world with the homeless people everywhere. It's like something you'd expect to see in India, right? But it's happening here in America because of uh, the Democrats and their policies. And so I think it was an apt description. And I think the reason for the announcement was even smarter, Gary. He was, he was telling police officers you want to have safe streets safe communities that used to be something in this country we universally expected in most places now you've seen that really erode particularly over the last few years and he goes on to say police officers move to florida we want you down here to be good police officers i think that's brilliant because that is something that's being faced by police departments all over the country and I mean, it was probably already happening before the George Floyd thing, but certainly since you have police departments where they have all these openings, they can't fill them. They don't even have enough qualified people apply for all these openings. And uh, you have all these veteran police officers that want to leave because they've had enough. And that's just going to exacerbate the problem of crime. It's going to make it harder to make our cities safe. And I think it's smart for DeSantis in Florida to say, hey, police officers, come on down to Florida. You're welcome here. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Uh, major urban areas across the country are almost always and have been for decades run by Democrats. And if you look at where the most violent crimes are committed, the most uh, uh, frequently committed, it's in those cities. Um, and there's a reason for it. And, and I would argue it is the programs that the left keep coming up with that enable the kind of behaviors that we see all the time uh, in those major urban areas. But speaking Especially of Florida, lately, when you have them not prosecuting like shoplifting and and or you know basically basic allowing people to camp on the streets, defecate on the streets, use drugs on the streets, like some of the West Coast cities, that's really made it worse <laughs> and spiral out of control. Did you hear about this guy who apparently was drunk and he ordered food from this restaurant and uh, they screwed up his order. He got mad, bought a gas can and literally, you know, burned the, you know, burned the place. Oh, as one does, I guess. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah, when if McDonald's <laughs> screws up my order, boy, I'm telling you what, I, I'm going in there and, and uh, burn the place down. Anyway, uh, they arrested him. He was out the next day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ooh. I would. 
I would think he'd be a little bit uh, of a threat to society. Hopefully with an ankle bracelet or whatever, you know, to track him. Uh, uh, but, all right, yeah. well, we kind of got off the beaten track there. But I got more. I got another story out of Florida that'll just frost your buns. Apparently, there's a guy from Texas who has a, a roofing company. And he's very successful. I mean, he's got really highly rated. And uh, he saw what was going on in Florida... And so he went down to Florida uh, to help with, uh, you know, the roofing problem, the, all the storm damage. Yeah. He has a successful Texas-based commercial and residential roofing business since 2008. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Named a preferred contractor by National Roofing Supply Company, Owens Corning. And in the wake of Hurricane Ian, there's an obvious need for roofers and other contractors in Florida... So this guy went down there to, to make some money. In response, they arrested him. For you what? See, uh, conducting business in Charlotte County without a Florida license. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that licensing thing. What a deal that is. That'll keep, that'll keep the competition out. That'll keep them from going in and, and uh, you know, undercutting, lowering prices, and providing service. Well, I'll Genius. tell you what, Gary, there's a lot of great things about Florida, but that is one area. They are very protectionist of their own. Uh, for law licenses and CPA licenses, they're like the most... Uh, you have to retake the entire test again to get a license on there. They don't have any sort of reciprocity where they accept, oh, yeah, you've been a lawyer this many years in good standing so we'll waive the requirement that you take no you have to actually retake the whole bar exam because they don't want people retiring down there and then practicing law or being an accountant part-time or something and competing with them they've yeah. always been like that that's what licensing is about at the government level it's about re eliminating competition so they can keep prices up uh, it's not about yep. safety uh yeah. anyway we're we're falling behind it. We've got so much more. Uh, the Gavin Newsom story, we got to get into that. Uh, and then uh, the Iran uh, revolution, uh, Saudi Arabia, and, and uh, putting people in prison for tweeting. I just love that idea. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wish I ever go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, if I were you, based on uh, some of the stuff you did on my program this week, uh, you, you talked about the uh, women that you had that guest on. What's her name? Uh, Yasmin Muhammad. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'll bet, I'll bet they just really want you to show up there. <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to cover that and a whole bunch more with Jennifer Bukowski and the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.